Heavenly Father, it is absolute truth that you have never failed us, you have never forsaken us, and you never will. But Father, I know I can, I can sense in your spirit that, you, that there are people in here, maybe it's one, maybe it's several, for whom right now the rain is pouring and the wind is gusting. And they are in that storm that we sing about. So, Father, for them, I, I don't give them my words. I give them yours. This is you speaking. In Psalm 91, you say, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Heavenly Father, you are so close to the brokenhearted. So for anybody in here dealing with a storm right now, would your presence be so real to them and so tangible? Would they feel as if they are not being tossed to and fro, not feeling the attacks from all angles, but would they feel as if they are sitting in the palm of your hand? Because you are our defender. You are our Father. And you never leave us. And you never forsake us. And you are close to us in our brokenheartedness. Father, this sermon series that we're in, this topic that we will hear today, is a, it's a difficult one. Money, finances, and stress, and worry, and anxiety. So again, these words, they must not be my words. I have nothing to offer your people outside of your spirit, and your truth, and your love, and your grace. And so would you teach us here today? Would your spirit fill this room and fill your children that we would experience liberation and freedom from the tyranny that can come with financial stress and anxiety. Come Holy Spirit and move. In Christ's matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Praise the Lord is right. Well, good morning, Trinity. Good morning. My name is David. For those who I have not met yet, I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And a special welcome to anybody who is joining us for the first time. We are, as I said, we are in our second week of our three-week sermon series titled, Jesus Talks Money. And I, I don't know, I just, I'm jumping right in. I'm jump, time's too short, I'm jumping right in. That's right. So I, I would argue, and I think it'd be an easy argument, that in the West, consumerism, materialism, greed, and money is always a topic worth studying, discussing, and let's just say as Christians taking a spiritual inventory. I know that's true in my life. And if I put on my economist hat, we are either already in or probably 
dangerously close to a recession, defined by any number of ways. And of course, we're staring down the barrel of a season that traditionally kicks off with the most busy shopping day of the year. Now, I can't be sure, but I doubt high gas prices and skyrocketing inflation and out-of-control health care costs and a looming recession was on the minds of first-century Palestinians. And Christmas, of course, as we know it, didn't even exist yet. But Jesus talked money. Why? Because he knows that, irrespective of your age or what time period we live in, the business calendar, the, the calendar season, our heart's relationship to money is the manifestation of something deeper. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bible, we're going to camp out in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 25 through 34. If you do not have a Bible and the pew back in front of you is a blue one, that is our gift to you. Our recommendation is you read it. But we will be on page 787 of the Pewback Bible in front of you. And I want to give you some quick context. Our scripture today is part of Jesus' famous teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. This teaching occurred very early on in Jesus' ministry. And it is, it's where Jesus highlights what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. Among other topics, he teaches about prayer and fasting, about salvation about judging others, about justice, and about money. It is comprehensive, but also penetrating, because with each topic, Jesus addresses not only our outward actions, but more importantly, our internal motivations. He constantly drives to our heart. And we'll pick his teaching up in chapter 6, verse 25, but the first word that we read is, therefore which means a conclusion is being drawn based on something Jesus just said. And what Jesus just said is what Pastor Kirk preached on last week. I'll read verses 19 through 24 so that we have the immediate context, and then we'll read our text for today. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And now our text for today. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Let's pray quickly. Heavenly Father, that is, boy, that last verse really struck me. Um, Each day has its own trouble. And Father, tomorrow is, is never promised to us. One day, every one of us wakes up, and it is the last day we will be here. And so, Father, I pray that we do not spend our time worrying or anxious or focused on things that ultimately do not matter. I pray that we are about your business. So, would you teach us today what Jesus has to say? And Father, I pray that this is so much more than information, that our hearts today are transformed and we are inspired to walk in the freedom that we actually already have by grace, through faith, in Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, another translation for worry in verse 25 is anxious. Do not be anxious. And those four words have seen me through some very, very dark and difficult nights. Having dealt with both, I would contend that there are very few stressors in life like health issues and financial issues. They are paralyzing. And here's the thing. When you're going through it, when you feel the suffocating pressure of financial stress, fortune cookie phrases won't do. Empty platitudes won't do. Carpe diem doesn't cut it. You need something real. You need something you can get your arms around. You need tangible hope and freedom from that oppression. And that is exactly what Jesus offers us. So let's dig into what he says here. And there's, there's three points I want to make using our scripture for today, each of which leads us away from fear and into freedom for those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That because of Jesus... We have a master worth serving, a father worth seeing, and a kingdom worth seeking. So point number one, a master worth serving. Jesus just said that we should not store up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
And that is so true. Something totally trivial here. Years ago, I used to, I used to engage in fantasy football. And one year, I made the mistake of having two different leagues. So I was like managing a league. I know, people are shaking their head because you know you've done it. It's a train wreck. You like manage one league over here and another league over here and you forget which players are on which team and who's even on a bye week. It's, it's not for me. But I'll tell you which one I paid more attention to, the one that I paid for. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And verse 24 ends with Jesus saying, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus did not say you cannot make money. And he did not say you cannot have money. The question is, who do you serve? Or put another way, Jesus is not necessarily concerned with what you have, but what has you. And to get even more technical, Jesus literally says, you do not have the power to serve two masters. You do not have the power to serve God and money. Cannot here, translated in the English, is dynamite in the Greek, from which we get our English word dynamite. Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Same word, dynamite. Jesus says, you and I do not have the power to serve both God and money. He knows we cannot, but he knows we'll try. That is why he gives the next command. Do not worry. The only reason you tell someone not to worry is because you know they're gonna. Right? When you're laying in bed at night, don't raise your hand. How often are you up, stressed out, about how you're going to spend and be generous with all your money? Or are you more like me, prone to roll around wide awake, replaying financial mistakes over and over again, wondering how you're going to make ends meet? Why do we do that? Where does that anxiety and stress and worry and tyranny come from? Jesus' answer, because you and I are prone to serve a master we do not actually want and who cannot actually give us what we need. Jesus didn't say, because you cannot serve both God and money, do not worry about money. He said, do not worry about food and clothing. Do not worry about the byproducts of having money. Look, I've been in the world of finance for more than two decades, and I have yet to meet the person who desperately wants rectangle pieces of linen with dead presidents printed on it. You don't. And I'll prove it. This is a quarter-inch drill bit. Last year, retail stores sold a million of these, and not one person that bought it wanted one. What they wanted was the byproduct of having a drill bit, a picture on the wall, storage in the garage, a swing set for their kids. We do not actually want money. 
but we chase after it. We work ourselves to death for it. We stay up all night worrying about it, and yet we don't even want it. We want what we think it will provide for us. But wait, it gets worse. (laughs) Remember, I said that Jesus is always penetrating to our heart. Jesus knows this is so true that we stare through money to the byproduct of it and through that to what we're ultimately concerned about, which is our soul and our life. Verse 25, is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Life, not the Greek word bios, meaning lifespan or quality of life. The Greek word psyche, meaning your soul, who you actually are. Are you just the sum total of what you eat and drink or what the label is on the outside of your clothing? No. We serve money. We subject ourselves to money because We think it gets us what we want. But even when we actually get the byproduct, we are left with the hollow reality that money cannot provide for us what we actually need. Money cannot provide for us, for our soul, security, comfort, safety, stability, peace, joy, fulfillment, and identity. Again, I present to you the reflections of the richest man that ever lived, Certainly he found rest for his soul and identity in all of his possessions. Certainly he found ultimate fulfillment and joy from everything he had. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all of my work. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And 10 more chapters of this life lament later, what conclusion does King Solomon come to? Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Serve God. God. What Solomon says to us and what Jesus says to us is that the true source of financial anxiety does not come from the absence or presence of money, but in serving that which cannot provide what we truly need. But our Heavenly Father can, and He will, and He does. Romans 8, if God is for us, Who can be against us? Listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? He numbered the hairs on your head. Do not be anxious. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Do not be anxious. He chose you. Do not be anxious. He sent his son to die for you. Do not be anxious. He looks down on you with delight. 
Do not be anxious. He works all things for good and for his glory. Do not be anxious. This is a master worth serving. Okay, got it. But right now, the stress is real. The hardship a reality. How do I recalibrate my heart and my worship and whom I'm serving? Point number two, a father worth seeing. The word that Jesus has used here three times in this passage for worry is merinao. And the root of this word means to divide or separate. But not in terms of taking one and making two. The root word means to divide your attention and lose focus. There's a door to my left and a door to my right. Both of them lead upstairs to spaces above the stage. Marinao would try to look at both of them at the same time. But when you do that, what you are forced to do is stare straight down the middle of the stage in an attempt to see both. But when you do that, you divide your attention and you can't see either clearly. Jesus says to us, you ask money to provide what it cannot. And so your focus is divided from where it should be, leading you to worry. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Verse 29, see how the flowers of the field grow. Look and see. Both of these words mean to fix your mind on to behold, to behold the birds and the flowers? No. Behold the provision of the Lord your God. Behold the love of your heavenly Father. I know from vast experience that in these moments of deep financial distress and worry, I have stopped looking at God and diverted my focus and attention. And when I do that, when we do that, we allow our circumstances to define the power and the provision of our Heavenly Father instead of letting the power and provision of our Heavenly Father define our circumstances. When Peter stepped out of the boat into the wind and the waves and sank, what happened again? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Behold, Jesus says, behold the power and the provision of your heavenly Father. Stop dividing your attention. Mike Gonyer sent me a quote a while ago, I'll never forget. It's time I stopped telling my problems, telling God about my problems and start telling my problems about my God. Do we have a heavenly father that is worth beholding? That is worth gazing at? Let's answer that question with another one. Verse 26. Your heavenly father feeds the birds of the air. Are you not more valuable than they? Hard stop. 
Are you? There are times personally when I'm not so sure. I don't feel more valuable than the birds of the air. God, perhaps you've made a mistake here. But the measure of value is based on the price someone is willing to pay. And how much did God pay for you? Everything. Behold, the birds of the air and the provision of your heavenly Father. Do not be anxious. Behold the flowers of the field and the power of your heavenly Father. Do not be anxious. Behold the old rugged cross on Calvary and the love of your heavenly Father. Do not be anxious. We have a master worth serving and a heavenly father worth seeing. And the final step towards freedom from this anxiety and tyranny is a kingdom worth seeking. Verses 31 through 33, Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now this is convicting. Who runs after? Who chases after? Another way of, of translating that is, who craves the byproduct of having money? Jesus says those who do not know God. Why? Because without the presence of your heavenly Father, there is no promise from your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And the final step in receiving freedom from financial tyranny is of the first order, of the highest rank, top priority. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Now there are so many generous brothers and sisters that call Trinity home. We stand before you on a weekly basis and we thank you sincerely for your partnership in this great mission. Some of you started giving this year to Trinity for the first time and that is the amazing work of the Holy Spirit leading you to generosity and trust in the Lord. We celebrate that work not because you give to Trinity, but because it means at least in some small part you're experiencing walking in, in the financial liberation that he desires for you. So when I say what I say next, please know I am speaking in general, not in specific. But we were not created to be consumeristic Americans worried about spending and saving. We are to be Christian ambassadors focused on stewardship. There is no other way towards the financial freedom, and I'm not talking about some prosperity gospel. I'm talking about being free from that financial tyranny and anxiety and worry of serving money, free from being crushed by the temptations of abundance, and free from being crushed by the anxiety when things get tight. 
Jesus never says that God will give us what we want. In all honesty, what God wants is what we want to be perfectly aligned with what he wants. (laughs) But God knows what you need. And if you want what you need, whether you have a billion dollars or ten, the only path to freedom from the rule and reign of money is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Rich or poor, seek first his kingdom and not your own and his righteousness, and not your glory. And if you do that, and when you do that, you need not worry about a thing, because in seeking that as first priority, you will always gain the presence of the Lord. And when you gain the presence of the Lord, you always gain his promises. And his promise to you is that when you mind his business, he will mind yours. That is a master worth serving. A father worth seeing in a kingdom worth seeking. Now let me close with this. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a high school in Chicago as heir to a vast family fortune. He was a millionaire. This is 1904. He was a millionaire many times over. And as a graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. And it was during that trip that God birthed in him a deep burden for the impoverished and the hurting and the broken. After that, he went to Yale, where in his time there, he brought many to salvation. He was a rock of strength for his classmates because of his settled purpose and consecration before the Lord. Their words, not mine. By the time he left Yale, 1,000 of the 1,300 students there were in Bible study groups. After his college graduation, he walked away from the family fortune to become a missionary. He was no longer committed to his earthly father's business, but his heavenly father's business. When he was 25 years old, he left for his first missionary trip to witness to Muslims in China. And as part of his preparation for that, his first stop was in Egypt to learn Arabic. And while in Egypt, William Borden contracted spinal meningitis and within a month was dead. But a few hours before he died, one of his caretakers asked him if he had made a mistake in coming to Egypt. Too weak to speak, William took a pen and a piece of paper and wrote two words, no regrets. He had found a master worth serving, a father worth seeing, and a kingdom worth seeking. In God we trust is printed on our money. May it be seared on our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the song is true for me. I know that my heart is prone to wander. I am so tempted to divide my focus 
I always need you. But if I can say this, in times when I need you most, it always seems like I am allowing my circumstances to define how good you are and to define your power and your providence, your provision. I can't do it on my own. I need your Holy Spirit in me to remind me that it's not my circumstances that define you, but you define my circumstances. And that is true for all of us. And so, Father, I pray that you would turn our focus, you would recalibrate the eyes of our hearts. Not that we, the answer isn't for us to hate money. The answer is for us to love and serve you. And so, Father, my prayer is that you would meet each of us where we are at. That you would do a work in us that only you can do. That we would loosen our grip, our trust in the stuff and things of this world and place it ultimately in you, the only living God. The one who loved us enough to send us what we needed the most, which was a rescue, redemption, You sent us your son. And if you sent us your son, you will not hold back anything we need. So, Father, would we learn to love you more, to trust you more, to lay at your feet everything that is making us anxious. Father, we know that we we can't add an hour to our lives. The only thing we can do by being anxious is subtract hours from our lives. And so, Father, would we turn that all over to you, all of our anxiety, and would you be closer than ever to us in our abundance or in our lack, that we would see that you are indeed a master worth serving. Father, in that, that you love us, you see us, you hear us, And you have great plans for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.